0: Cyril,
1: what a beauty!
2: G'day, community, and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. Uh, it is the 6th of the 3rd we're recording this, so if anything changes in the news between now and when you hear it, uh, not our fault. I'm Dog. I'm joined today by the two hosts who can boast the most roast.
0: The first is Patch, how are you? I'm good, Dog. how are you, my beautiful friend?
1: I am present Demo, how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm getting excited. Round one's not that far away, and the practice matches are over, so we've got all the information that we need. Some 100. people are overreacting. Some people are underreacting. Some people are reacting the perfect amount, and I guess we will discuss that now.
2: I don't know if we have all the information we need. We certainly have all the information we're going to get, so uh, I would argue I need more patch What's your first, the first thing that comes to mind post practice matches with two weeks or ten days or whatever it is until the first game?
0: Uh, no thoughts, only mid prices. Yes, there's not a lot of thinking going on. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, let's let's just play around and see how they fit, see how they, they fit. Um, no, there's not a lot of panicking going on because I know that kind of all the all the playing around I'm doing is it going to result in a final team at the minute? But um, the thoughts I had during last week's mailbag, which I recommend you go check that out because um, Clark and Dame are very smart and I was also there. Um, yeah, that that's kind of been swirling around and, and the, the gist of it for those that haven't listened um, is that we've got more trades, so we have more opportunity to turn mid-prices into premiums um, to get more points on the board. Um, and I'm just kind of playing in that space a little bit. Um, and, you know, as we've kind of spoken about, this is as, as good a year for mid-prices as I think we've ever seen playing Supercoach. So, I don't know, the, the possibilities are, are, are real. There are lots of them, um, lots of possibilities and lots of teams that you can put together and and look at it and go, yeah, I can see how that works. Um, so that's really fun.
2: The uh, We've got a whole uh, whole rainbow of mid-prices, right? We've got the... Veterans returning from injury. We've got the borderline guys who were traded, and then we've got the guys who are, look like they might fill some voids of significance with players moving out of their side. There's really, I think that's the difference is that you can see clear roles with a lot of these prices. And, and this is the talking point, right? We can go guns and rookies, we can go mid price madness, we can go a mix, but it's the mid prices that I think are going to make or break the season. Damo. I know we have plenty of mid prices, but are, are we comfortable taking risks on them? Cause we know that there's also quite a bit of cash gen in some positions.
1: I guess you got to look at the mid prices and decide, is there upside in them at their price? And you look at someone like a Jacob Hopper, and this is a guy that at his best can average you mid nineties and he's coming in priced at 332 K. So, history would suggest that he can outperform his price. And then you're looking at someone like uh, Finn Callahan, who has played a few games in his first season. He looked okay. He's coming in at an elevated price now. He's out of the rookie price now, but he's still kind of cheap. Looks like he's going to have a role after the departure of Hopper and Taranto in all the players that left the Giants. And now there appears to be a clear upside at his price, even though he is slightly elevated at 244k he's not going to average year 110 but they you sort of got to look at the risks with all of the bid prices and decide if there is actual upside at their price and a lot of the ones that people are jumping on have a clear upside it's just about selling it to yourself more than more more than anything else and not destroying your team to fit them all in unless uh, your name is Patch.
0: Hello. Um, I think it also goes back to what MJ was talking about in the mailbag a few weeks ago of like, if you're bringing a guy in, especially if it's a mid price, know what you want out of them. If you're like, I'm going to ride them until the buys um, and then trade them up. Or like, I'm going to, you know, keep Darcy Cameron and then have him as a, an F7, you know, R3 swing or like, just like have... Have a role for each of these players. Don't pick someone of like, oh, Errol Golden scored 188. Oh, oh I, I got to fit him in. I, I got to fit him in. You got to think, you know, what are you picking Errol Golden for? Do you think he'll be a top eight midfielder? You know, they're they're missing Luke Park on the weekend. Does he keep getting those CBAs? Does he keep escaping scrutiny from opposition sides? Um, he's the sort of player that you can shut down? Um, you, you've kind of kind of got to look at it critically and just kind of say, oh, you know, if I'm picking Errol Golden or am I picking? Will Day, Finn Callahan, whatever it is, whoever it is, just think. All right, I'm picking them for this purpose. Once, you know, once they've fulfilled that purpose, am I moving them on? Are they, you know, staying for the whole year? If they're staying for the whole year, you know, does it stack up? Um, so just kind of, you know, don't don't get caught up in in that season hype. Just despite it being, it's so much fun. I want to get caught <laughs> up in it. Let me get caught up in it. But yeah, just kind of think about it before you really start. Riding, riding those highs.
2: Uh, just for clarity, you said Luke Parker missed. It was Callum Mills that missed. Oh, I know sorry. we'll get comments. Please would... direct them to Patch. Thank
0: you.
1: Thank, thank God, you're a journalist and you don't work in a maternity ward where all the babies are bald and look the same.
0: <laughs> I mean, most AFL footballers are bald and look the same. So
2: I don't know about most boys being <laughs> bald, but I, I, they are mostly white, but white dudes. Uh, they can all do podcasts. That's for sure. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about how our teams might have shifted after these practice matches. Uh, those who listen to the podcast know I've only actually had two teams today. I had a team I made in December, and I had a team I made in February, and now I have a third team that I've made in March. And personally, the the changes I made haven't been all that whole wholesale. So I'll just quickly go through them. We can dissect a couple of the reasons I want to. Well, a couple of these players I'd like to talk about. So for me, I went from uh, having Nick Dacos in my defense at my D2, and now I have Elliot Yo. And the reason I did that, I went Dacos and Parrish to Taranto and Hopper, uh, Taranto and Ward. So um, not Ward, Warple. So I'm having a stroke. Taranto and Warple. So basically, I just shifted my defenders into the forward line. That's Why? Right. Because I wanted to. Um,
0: so no, Was that because there was a, another rookie that popped up in defense you wanted to take advantage of? Was that because you saw Nick Dacos get tagged and went, oh, no, I can't have any of that? Um, what Was that like? Was um, it a jumping off Dacos or jumping on Taranto? Or yes. just, just for for the way people are trying to understand that thought process?
2: Yeah, so I went Dacos and Parrish who both got tagged and didn't play well on the weekend. And I ended up bringing uh, in, as I said, Warple, Taranto, and actually Dylan Moore as well. So I bought in two primos and, and shifted some money around to bought in that that other mid-price. So the reason being is more for the upside of the the guys I bought in than the potential downside of the guys I sent out. I haven't been sold on who are going to be the premium top upper echelon defenders this year, and I had Dacos as a relatively safe bet. As we discussed off patch. even if he gets tagged every four weeks, that's enough reason for me to to not want to pick him. When I look at a guy like Tim Taranto, who I think at the same price, a uh, $600 difference, I don't think Tim Taranto is going to get tagged. And if I if he does, I think he can handle it a lot better in a Richmond system. So I just moved Dacos to the forward line and his name changed to Taranto. Dropping Parrish down and bringing in a, a Dylan Moore, who was in my December team, uh, that The reason for that was a few more cheaper players in the midfield put their hands up. I needed to make room for them. Those players being Finn Callahan, uh Cam McKenzie, Oscar Baker, that ilk of player. So basically for me, I just had to shift the money I was spending around to fit the rookies in. And as we always talk about, rookies dictate structure.
0: Yeah. Um- Damo, you've been keeping a reasonably close eye on the rookies. Do you want to talk us through some of the the players you think are must-haves? Because obviously that's kind of, you know, a few more have put their hand up over the weekend and a few more have kind of dropped off a bit. Um, I, I feel like it's a good time to segue into talking about that briefly before we go back to what changes you've made to your side.
1: Um, I think Fergus Green is probably someone that we can at least lock into our forward bench. He's going to be a pretty big focal point for the Hawks. He won't... Um, kick three goals from uh, from a low number of disposals every single week because Hawthorne probably aren't going to be that sort of team. But he's someone who's going to get games early and will probably roam up the ground every now and then and get some midfield minutes, kind of like the role Dylan Moore was playing last year with a little bit more of um key position about him. Um, Big watch on Edward Allen now with... Pat Lipinski out until the middle of the year with a shoulder issue. He um only played a cu- a few minutes of the match simulation, so didn't appear in the practice match. But he's one to look out for. He's one that Collingwood are really big fans of. If we uh, look at some other the some of the other games, um. If you look at players like, sorry, just bringing up a list here. Ruben Jinby played really well for West Coast off the halfback flank. He picked up a large number of disposals in and cracked the ton in just over half of the, of the amount of game time. So he looks like someone that West Coast are really going to use um, in the upcoming season. Darcy Wilmot appears to be locked into that Brisbane wing. Um, even though he didn't get a big score. Will Phillips has the role at North Melbourne, and I don't think people should panic about what was produced by him. He had a large number of clangers and he didn't use the ball very well either. So I think even if you don't put him on your field, he is still someone that you can lock in because he has the role and will have the job security. Um, Luke Pedler looks very good for Adelaide. He scored 53 in about 53% game time. So that is pretty so that is a pretty good going for a small forward there. And um Mateus Phil as well looks looks impressive for Saint Gilda. He's another one to really keep your eye on. Yep.
0: On the flip side, Toby McLean didn't quite produce the goods we were looking for and hoping for from him. Safa Radigalia didn't didn't play as well as he did in that first game. Is there concern over some rookies? um that we'd kind of had locked in the whole way through kind of McKenna another one that didn't quite score as much as we'd be hoping for was from someone with his experience are any of these guys suddenly on the outer of your side
1: Toby McLean was never locked into my side I I said that probably in December or January he might have been just based on what I knew he could produce but as the tinkering went on i didn't see a spot for him anymore, given who was performing and what, and the rumblings coming out of uh, various camps. But I know Dog still has him in his team, and he's still quite a big fan of him.
2: Yes, I don't. Uh, I'm just happy he honestly has gotten through the preseason games. I'm still pretty bullish on him. I still think there's a way for him to score points. If he's not named round one, I'll boot him, obviously. But in, until then. I'm going to put him in. I, I'm i favoring the guys who have done it before. Asterisk. We'll talk about one player I'm not favoring later on, Patch, that we'll argue about. Hello. Uh, guys like Elliot Yo, guys like Jack Zebel, guys like Toby McLean. I'm just giving the edge still over the. Because they have had proven performances in the past of high fantasy scoring and high fantasy scoring roles. I just feel a little bit more faith in them uh, than like a first-year player and I, I actually was talking about this earlier with you patch in one of our group chats it's like that nba thing where if you give an nba coach a veteran he is going to play the veteran over the rookie it's just what's going to happen and i just i still see that with a guy like mclean yo uh, Zeeble, I just think their coaches are going to back them in because they know that their floor is probably higher than a rookie's floor. So, yeah, I, I'm still backing them in. Then again, if he doesn't get named in round one, uh, we'll boot him down to Luke Pedler or some other spud like that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So, Damo, what sort of changes did you make to your side over the weekend? Sorry to derail that with a brief bit of rookie chat, but I thought we may as well slide it in there.
1: I sort of just moved money around a little bit like um like dog dig and did and the one thing that that really stood out to me was oh, I was overthinking my rucks way too much very early on very early on I had um Jared and Rowan Marshall as my R1 R2 played around with going for someone cheaper because I didn't think Wits at 605k was a good investment but after seeing him pump out 165% game time he's probably going to be better than he was last year, a year removed from his knee, in- knee injury. And Rowan Marshall showed that he's going to be, have the monopoly on the St. Kilda Ruck as w- as well, even though he comes up against um, Darcy and Jackson in round one by himself. Um, the other move I made was I brought in Finn Callaghan um, and I booted out Nick Dacos in favour of um, Sam Doherty, just moved some money around, just brought some players in who I knew could produce and could make me some money.
2: It's interesting that you've you've gone and um, changed the ruck around and looked for someone who you think's really safe. I've done the exact same thing, Domo. I've gone from Tim English down to uh, Riley O'Brien, which may be the most boring ruck selection you can possibly make uh, at 560k. I just think that he'll get 100 points a week. And honestly, at this point, I've, I've tossed and turned with the rucks. I've looked at Darcy Cameron. I didn't like that. I've looked at Sean Darcy, who looked really good. Slight concern with Luke Jackson there. Slight concern maybe over, you know, he seems to get some niggly injuries. I'm not sure. I've landed on the most boring choice, and that's Riley O'Brien, because I just I can't see who else is going to guarantee me 100 points every game other than Rowan
0: Marshall. I just think he's neat.
2: <laughs> where are you at in the Rucks uh, patch?
0: Um I am at the point where I really want Jared Witts but I can't afford Jared Witts to partner with Rowan Marshall so I've gone Darcy Cameron at this stage um who I'm hoping to either swing forward or if he's if that split with with Cox eventuates to to be detrimentally scoring. Um, then I'll potentially flick him to Jared Witts after the buy because uh, Geelong and Gold Coast have the early buy. Um, so at this stage, that's the line I'm looking to upgrade earlier, and then we'll kind of take it from there. I feel like Cameron's a pretty pretty safe choice. I'm not buying into the doom and gloom around Mason Cox playing. I, you know, and and really cutting into his time. I think Cox works better as a ruckman. I don't know if, if Collingwood's balance works when they've got Cameron and. Cox both playing 50-50 in the ruck. I suspect it'll be Dan McStay uh, most of the time, but I I still think Cameron's good for 95. He's less than 500k. Um, That's kind of where I've landed at the minute. Um, And then we'll look to upgrade reasonably early on and, and swing Darcy Cameron forward.
2: Let's keep talking. Uh, well, Patch, maybe take us through if there's any changes you've made to your side first.
0: I can't remember what my side looked like before the last week of practice matches because <laughs> I just kind of kept tinkering and kept tinkering and, and yeah, just kind of lent in a bit more to the, to the mid-price madness just because I, I wanted to see what it looked like and then I didn't really change it back because it just kind of – I don't know. I thought it was neat. Um, so I bought um, – you know, my defence kind of moved around a little bit. Uh, Mason Redmond went out because what I saw with – Andy McGrath in the back line for the Bombers was enough to dissuade me that the Redman certainly won't improve on last year's output, and I, I suspect it'll dip a little bit, um, so as much as he's my favourite player in the competition, I'm probably not going to be on the Red Dog train to start with this season, um, but I moved a few things around to players that had been in my side a few weeks ago who had kind of moved back out and kind of moved around a little bit, like Finn Callahan, I'd I'd had quite a while ago and kind of moved him out. Um, Errol Goulden, I had very early on and I'd moved him out and I've kind of played around to get him back in, whether or not he stays is debatable. Um, and I also had, uh, Liam Jones in my side a few weeks ago and then nearly got kicked out of the jock group chat for being like, oh, Hey, why is no one talking about Liam Jones? And then everyone shouted at me for 10 minutes straight. And then I took him out and apparently he can score points.
2: He's yep. He has done that in games before. I don't think he's a good selection. Uh, I don't know. I'm not the mathematician. Yes. Yeah. So 2017 and 2018, he averaged 77.5, 70.5. In 2020 in a shortened quarters or whatever it was, he averaged 72. So the average is around that 65 to 70 mark. I'd say is, is where you're going to protect his, project his average at 228K. Is that enough? I don't see him having a career best year this year. I just don't see. I don't see him. So let's give him an average of seventy, and I think that's being very generous to him. By the way, is that enough? I'm not a maths man. I don't know the answer. Is that enough?
1: An average of seventy gives him 150k on his current starting price.
2: But when does he get the 150k?
1: it depends how it, it depends what he scores d- 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 does he go 30 then 100 then 70 then 25 then 75 or d- or does he go 60 80 70 60 80 70 because it, that depends how quickly he makes the money i see him as this year's version of Paddy McCartan. not patty mccarton came in a little bit cheaper but mm. i think that they could perform quite quite similarly and take you through to at least the buyers yeah, I, I'm not expecting Liam Jones to score one hundred and one every week. I, that would be
0: madness. Um, and even you know, fantasy, he's you know, his fantasy numbers have traditionally been a lot lower. Still got that to, to eighty-eight um, off the back of seventeen kicks, eleven marks, a lot of them intercepts. Um, I, and obviously, they're not going to play North Melbourne every week, who, despite not getting a massive number of inside fifties, still you know didn't have the best delivery inside 50 which let Jones cut it off but I think Jones is more likely to be that guy that will take a few more intercept marks Um, a lot of the other guys have got a more lockdown roles and the fact that he has that 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 ceiling has increased a little bit which means he can get on a run of two or three games where he will score a little bit that'll bump the price up and then I can sell him at that stage Um, I I just just think he's he's best 22 he'll be reasonably consistent Um, you know might not be I, I don't know I just
2: I just want to, I just, I I don't, I'm not, I'm not really forming an opinion either way. Uh, I'm open to the idea of having him in my team and I may end up having him in my team here in when he last played, which was, I believe 2021. Here's how he started the season. 52, 37, 147, 86, 12, 104, and then a bunch of sixties, twenties, fifties. I don't know if that's good or bad for his price point and what that will do to his scoring. But I just, if I have him in my team, I'll feel like I have to have him on field. And if he scores 12 on my field, I, I'll be even more salty with him than I am uh, in real life.
0: I uh, Look, it's, yeah, there's potential for it to backfire. It's not a safe as houses pick, but I feel better about it. Um, having seen him have that ceiling again. Mm. I don't I, I, don't know. What I saw I thought was encouraging. I, I don't think he's a must-have. He's 50K more expensive than you'd ideally want him to be. Um, but I I don't know. I think I think he'll be fine. And similarly, Tom Cole hasn't got a lot of discussion. He's a returning player who would be best 22, will play every week that he's fit. Um, you know, We'll have a few fluctuations in prices if he has to play lockdown or can get up onto a wing. I think he'd be a good pick as well at 180-odd K. Um, so there's every chance I switch to him. But I just like the idea of having now, having one of those rookies alongside, you know, Jinby Constable, Wilmot, and Cowan, if he plays, just having, just knowing that they're going to play every week really makes me feel more comfortable about picking them as opposed to going with a Cowan who might play for three weeks and then, and then go back to the VFL to develop a bit more.
2: Yeah. I guess, look, honestly, I guess it's the same argument I made about Toby McLean, right? Um, so I, I totally, I totally understand it. Are you like, I'm, I'm currently running, yeah, uh, yo, at, D two, are you currently running Yo
0: at G- D two? Uh, Yo's technically D three, but I've got Will Day at D two, so there's there's still a little bit of that. Oh, I don't know. Will that will that go well? There's every chance Day disappears or Yo disappears, and I bring in another rookie. Yep. Um, it just makes me feel more comfor- comfortable if I've got like a someone who is best twenty two at D D three D two. Um, I don't know. That that's the main thing that's kind of changed for me, was that I, I just kind of beefed up that backline rookie situation a little bit more with a, the with a Jones in there and then found space for for Callahan to slide back in as well.
2: All right, Damo, I want to talk to you. I think next week we'll cover about all the must-have rookies and the must-have picks and all that. So let's continue this mid-price conversation and maybe we'll, we'll just run through some popular selections at the moment and we'll just give a quick overview of, of how we feel about them. And the one I wanted to start with was Will Day Patch, which you just mentioned, but I'll go to you first, Damo. A 362,000 uh, defensive status started uh, some centre-bounce attendances for Hawthorne. Is he someone that coaches out there should consider and have you considered?
1: I'm a big Will Day fan, but I'd like to see it happen in the real thing, not in a preseason game, before I select him i i mean i- t- i totally get it he scored eighty eight in sixty eight percent game time so the points per minute was there in a preseason match I just want to see it in the real thing before I go after him
2: and patch obviously you're sold and what are the what are your core reasons why at this stage
0: um i'm I'm certainly not sold but he's in there at the minute there there's a lot more tinkering to go under the bridge uh before we burn it um <laughs> I yeah, I just kind of think that there, there's that role there that he will be playing, you know, in the middle because they don't have too many other players. Um, he's he's going to get the crack at center bounces. It it Touchwood looks like he's got his body right, which we really like to see, um, you know, from from a player. I I don't know. I just I just think he's neat. I just I, I like the upside. I I'm not expecting, you know, I'm expecting maybe a, an eighty average. Um, which i don't know i'm just kind of playing in the space i think he i don't think he'll hurt you too much um especially considering a lot you know we're we're kind of punting defenders this year we're we're pushing them down a little bit and going a little bit cheaper back there i don't know i think there's just scope for him to score points and appreciate in value because he's a he's a mature body and they've got the camera kenzie's josh wards who are you know that they'll be good in time but they still need that they still need a bit of an older body in the middle as well so i, I I don't know that that's the basis behind picking him at this stage.
2: I like it. Uh, he's currently in six percent of teams. Mine is not one of them. The next pot I wanted to touch on was Jack Zebel. I've already mentioned him a little bit. Currently in four point five percent of teams. I've got him in there. He looked He was taking kickouts and doing what I need him to do off halfback on the weekend. I think he came away with a score of about eighty six points. Uh, the ball was down there a lot as we suspected. I suspect it's going to continue being down there a lot. Part of the thing that interests me, obviously, we've seen him score really well in this role before, but also come round six, he'll be a defensive eligible player, which will give me a little bit more flexibility, particularly going really light in defense. So for me, I've seen enough to select him. Yes, he's still 300 and oh, whatever it is, 86, 356K, which isn't ideal but he's someone who I've seen do it before. So he's in my team. Do you guys have any thoughts on Jack Zabal?
1: He's not someone that I've ruled out. He's just not someone that fits into my team with its current structure. He's, he's probably a safe selection. He's probably going to average 90 ish playing that role, but he's just not someone that's, that's, that's forced his way in yet. And he and I—I I don't know. May, may, maybe it's his age. Maybe it's the new coach. Maybe it's a new system. Maybe it's something along those lines that's kind of making me wary of him. But he's not someone that has leapt out of the paintwork and has and has told me to s- select him.
2: Oh patch. You got any comments or?
0: Yeah, uh, just a little bit of concern about when Aaron Hall does come back, even if it's only for a month. That still dense his scoring. I think as we saw. The year he did play really well down back hall coming into the side did did hurt his scoring a bit. Um, I think they're also going to try and share it around a little bit in terms of he won't have the monopoly on the kickouts and they'll, they'll start using your your Josh Goders, even your, your Griffin Logue might get a bit more. Bailey Scott has kind of come on a little bit. I think some of the natural development from those younger kids might, it won't take much off Zeeble, but it's kind of enough that I'm like, I, oh, I don't know. And then as Damo said, you know, you're picking him then ahead of, ahead of Fife, potentially ahead of Goulden, ahead of like a Tanner Broon, ahead of a bunch of other players that I've probably just got a a little bit in front of him. Um, So I just kind of, at this stage, he's he's not on my list. Um, And, you know, I'd I'd then have the question of, you know, is he a stepping stone or a keeper? Because he's just that little bit more expensive than you'd like for a stepping stone, Um, I think. And I I just don't think he'll be in the top 10 of either the the defenders or the forwards or, or even really the top 15. So he's just kind of... Two in the middle in a bunch of categories to really pique my interest.
2: See, I'm I'm the other way. I I think he will have monopoly. I don't think they'll share it around. And you know why? Because I saw Clarko give Ben Stratton games week after week, year <laughs> after year, because he likes having mature heads and leaders and like Zebul could be the he could give, he could have one kick a game. And I'm telling you, Clarko's still. Playing him, so I, I'm not too stressed about it. Clarko's going to find reasons to get the ball into his hand to give him to keep him in that team.
1: Yes, but at one point Ben Stratton was so cheap we were considering him as a rookie option. Oh so- yeah, ben,
2: ben Stratton's key super coach stat was pinching because Like I'm not saying at least Jack Zebel can kick the ball. Uh, Stratton, admittedly, he was captain at the time, so it was a bit hard to drop him. Uh, and I assume. I meant to mention this guy before. Ben Cunnington, none of us are on him, right?
0: I'm more no. interested in Cunnington than I am in Zeeble, but I'm not very interested in Zeeble. I I, I think Cunnington will average 80 or 85, and that's fine. But he, again, he's just too expensive yeah, compared to, to the other options.
2: Uh, as we scroll down the list of mid-price, I'm just trying to find players that are in lots of teams. Jason Horn francis is in 14% of teams. He's... Anyone buying the hype of the former one ice-bathing number one pick, Jason Horn francis No. Very good. Will Setterfield. I have this horrendous feeling that if I pick him, he will average two kicks a game, and if I don't pick him, he will be the best mid-pricer of the year. was very good on the weekend for your boys doing, guess what? His natural role—he's not a winger. Patch, you're you're gonna have to speak to this guy.
0: I there's a role for him. They've recruited him with an eye on you know getting a bigger body in the midfield, which have been sorely lacking. He's a bigger body midfielder. They they're giving him first crack, and uh, looks like he's actually going to score. He plays a, a super supercoach-friendly game, contested possessions, will feed it out to to your merits, and um, you know, your, your other. I'm, I assume we have other footballers. Um somewhere in the team that aren't named Zach Merritt or mason redmond um i I know he's not someone I've really considered because I normally just don't consider Essendon players they they already let me down enough each weekend that I don't want to go back a second time for more disappointment but he i I don't know there there's the role there there's the the scoring potential is there i I think he's someone I will corrective trade into if need be because I just I I don't, I don't know. I based on what we saw, there's a lot of potential there, and you'd put him ahead of, you know, most most other players in that price bracket, be it a a, a warpole, a hopper, or a, a whatever. Because I think there's, oh, I don't know, M- maybe the ceiling's a bit higher than than a hopper, but he might be less consistent. Um, I I don't know. I really don't know.
2: Demo. He had twenty five touches. He had what six tackles? Six tackles. He was playing inside mid. He's got 119 supercoach points. You got any thoughts on him?
1: I've seen people opt for Setterfield instead of Hopper. And I've seen people, when they're doing a coin flip on a 50 50 say that they are going for Hopper because he is in more teams and appears to be the safer selection. Because if it doesn't work, there's a lot of teams that will have to deal with it. I'm still not sure either way. I'm—I don't think I was sold on Hopper to begin with, and I saw nothing in the game on the weekend to sell me on Hopper. And I'm not sold on setterfield and I saw nothing in this game to 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 sell me on Setterfield either. Sorry, just, but,
0: a, just a live update quickly. I've just swapped Hopper for setterfield
2: Setterfield <laughs> hes never done it before. In the shortened season, he averaged eighty-nine point seven, which was really good. Uh. 62, 58, 60, and 45, or his other averages across his career in no particular order. Don't know why I did it in that order. Um, he hasn't done it before. There was a period where Carlton fans were like, this guy's the next CUDA. And um, and maybe 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 he is, maybe he was. I just I it's a tough one. He's had the from what we've seen in 2023, he should be a lock in everyone's team. But I can't help but look at that history or the lack thereof of Premier Fantasy output, even when Carlton were terrible and couldn't get, couldn't like find a midfielder to play. Um, In fact, we lost a game to GWS where they only had sixteen players on field once. Like that's how bad we were, and we still couldn't find a way to make Will Setalfield score well. That's my biggest concern to play that the history, which is like Jake. J.R. Tolkien novel versus my notepad over here, which is the 2023 form.
0: I mean to to play Devil's Avocado. Carlton still didn't give him the role, even when there was no one around. The team was terrible. Like they still didn't put him in the inside. They still were like, no, you're a winger, play on the wing. So that that that's changed, I think. But I you know expect him to average 110 is nonsense and fantasy, and it and it won't happen. Um, but I, yeah I don't know I, I to be honest with you didn't realize he'd scored
1: 119 and oh oh
0: hey,
1: just to finish what I was saying the reason I'm going for hopper over setterfield is because hopper has done it before if setterfield was dual position had forward eligibility or defense eligibility then maybe I might favor him over a hopper but the only but I'm going with hopper over setterfield because hopper's done it before setterfield might might impress me early on and make me make some corrective trades to him. But like you said, he hasn't done it before. Will he do it consistently now? I That will
2: be something I ponder over the next 10 days. Elliot Yo is in 50% of teams, gentlemen. He's in my team. I assume he's in both of your teams. He wasn't amazing. Damo, you s- watched the West Coast game. He wasn't amazing.
1: He kind of went in second gear. And if we remember twelve months ago, when West Coast played their preseason match, they had about six injuries. Probably about five of them were season ending, one of them and 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 Yo was still coming back from that groin injury where he barely had had a preseason. So he was in and out of the team. He was aggravating it. He he really wasn't fit. But he's had a full preseason. It looks like his power's back. When he was around the ball, he, he actually did some pretty good things with it. But he wasn't running from contest to contest. He wasn't, you know, exerting himself to be a part of this preseason match and to change the way the preseason match was flowing. But I think that will change when the season begins. And I think that he's a safer selection. His teammate, Dom Sheed, though, looked completely lost. And right, I don't yeah. think that he's a selection that we can rely on now.
2: He came out of my side. Uh, I was hoping his consistent averaging of 80 in the past would get him through, but you're right. He just didn't look good. Patch, any thoughts on Yo or uh, Dom Sheed?
0: Uh, Nothing different to what you two beautiful humans have just said.
2: And the hot man, we've already touched on him, Jacob Hopper. Uh, I mean... Again, I'm not in love with the selection. I'm a bit like you, Damon. I'm not in love with the selection. At no point have I been in love with the selection, but he's in 46% of teams and he's still, I don't, I don't really know how, but he still managed to come out and score 93 points. So in the preseason game, and I think he's just going to do that. I think he's just going to get like 90 points every week. And I don't necessarily feel great about selecting him, but I think to go against the grain on this one is going to be potentially painful.
0: Or it could be like the thing that sets you apart for two weeks before everyone switches from Hopper to the field or to Warple or to whoever it is that, that does break out. He feels like such a like it's a safe selection, which like if, if you want to feel warm and comfortable and safe and wrapped up in a nice little blanket, then yeah, he's the guy for you. But also like, oh, it's so boring. I haven't wanted to pick him all preseason and I don't want to pick him now. And he's he's going to be good. He'll be fine. He'll do the thing we expected him to do based on... What we saw, but oh, come on, like live a little. I don't know.
2: Damo is having ninety points on field a good thing.
1: Yeah, and if we can rely on it, and we can rely on it every, every single week, then um, it's uh, it's he 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 kind of puts himself in your team a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think he's one we just need to pick and. Uh, if we if we really think Will Setterfield in the first two weeks is going to outscore him by enough points for it to truly matter, then go with Will Setterfield. But personally, I'm happy to go Hopper and go, you know what, Will, I throw the gauntlet down, outscore Jacob Hopper in the first two weeks.
0: You're both a bunch of bitties. <laughs> there, I said it.
1: I'll tell you. that mid- five. I'll, t- oh, I'll tell you, you wanna- I'll t- tell you, midpricer, and you just mentioned his name. After seeing Nat Fife live on Thursday night, I'm finding it hard to justify not picking him now. We've all seen what we've all seen what he can do at a centre bounce. He rips the ball out. He charges forward. He's very good in the contested situations. Against Port Adelaide, the ball only had to sniff the forward line for him to be near it. So I think he's – I still think that he's going to be a pretty good forward and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a top six to eight forward for, for the year. That's a big call.
2: 15 disposals, six marks and three goals. Is he going to have to rely on goal scoring to score these points, Demo?
1: As all forwards, probably, but I also don't think that he will be – getting 15 disposals every week either I think he'll there'll be some weeks where he gets 20 to 25 without scoring and that makes up for his for, for his lack of scores whereas and then there'll be some games where he has about eight and kicks four and that makes up for his lack of disposals I think there'll be a balancing act with his scoring and 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 how he gets his scoring and I think a 90 low 90 to 95 average is probably a pretty good estimate, uh, um, estimate for him, and he only has to average eighty four to make one hundred and fifty k in his price as well.
0: Just to, just remind me quickly, because I've already forgotten, is ninety ninety odd points on field each week. Good.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay.
0: Right. Yeah. Look, he did look really good. He did look really good. Um, but my counteraction is like, oh, it's boring. It's not everyone. going to pick that five. God, it's dull. Um, yeah. He's but... not
2: in my current team. He's not in my current team. No, well, Jack Zebel's in my current team. The guy and, I've got
0: ahead of him, I want to talk about next. If I can segue yet, or are you going to segue? Go on. Like? Segway away. Uh, Tanner Broon. It looks like he's going to play as a full-time midfielder, apparently, which none of us really saw coming. We talked about him a little bit on the mailbag um, last week, and then he kind of came out after blitzing the, the first unofficial preseason game that we didn't have stats for, um, and then... You know, in, in the game against Brisbane he came out and can you tell I'm padding as I try and find the stat? Do you want um, me to tell you the stats? Yeah, what number did he get?
2: He had hundred and twelve points for nineteen disposals and seven
0: tackles. Yeah, eleven contested possessions. No marks, which is interesting, but um that's that's number wang, baby. That's that's Jenga. Um Discuss. I don't know how to feel about this. I didn't see the game. I, I'm just saying that he's he's been good. Foz, who has his eye across all things Geelong, says that no, actually he's going to play more mid than we expected.
2: I'm not going to pick a Geelong player.
1: Yeah, I don't trust Chris Scott <laughs> and Patch. I'm surprised you're you're so engrossed in Tanner Bruin after calling Hopper and Fife boring. I think Tanner Bruin's the boring pick.
0: Oh, oh, I mean Bruin's in in nine percent of teams and Fife is and Hopper are both in 40-something percent. So, um, I, I, I'm interested as to how you've come to that conclusion. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just intrigued as to what basis that Bruin is the boring option.
1: I don't mean boring as in, like, he's in everyone's team. I mean boring as in, like, is he actually going to do it? Like, does Chris Scott leave him in that position every single week? And do and do, and and do we trust that team to be the same every single week especially are uh, especially with the void of Joel Selwood how do how are they going to cover that and how long will they experiment covering that
0: i mean if anything just, that makes him more exciting which is makes him a worse pick like a far worse pick but i yeah i see what you mean it's it's a valid concern and it's one that I, i'm toying with he's not set in stone but at the moment he's sitting there and the idea of someone that can play in the guts and average 100 um and i just feel more more safe picking somebody that's going to play in the midfield each week which it, you know on all the current evidence looks like he he will as opposed to a nat five who you know even if frio win by 100 points as every chance he's he just doesn't get his hands on the ball and he's like a decoy forward that takes a really good defender away from uh, luke jackson um matt Taverner, etc i'd I don't know. I just feel slightly more comfortable in that. I, yeah, I don't know. It's all vibes at the minute and the vibes are, the vibes are all being a bit different and jagging when everyone's zigging. That's not how the metaphor worked.
2: Yeah. I'm not picking a Geelong player, uh, but you know who I probably will pick and will definitely burn me. James Warple. Oh, so, dog. you know, I'm a big warp man. I know. I'm know. i all in on him. On, in, I, know. I think I've got him in every single keeper league. I'm in, except maybe one with you patch. Um, I've been investing for years. It's, it's like crypto. It'll come around again. I'm telling you. He was very good. He was very, very good. His disposal looked actually okay against Collingwood. There were still some very hairy moments, but there was a blind turn through the middle of the ground. He had 101 from 67% game time. He had 30 disposals. Mate, he was inside mid. He was, he was Tom Mitchell 2.0. And I loved every bloody... Second of it.
1: So 101 from 67% time on ground, 624 metres gained. But when he had the ball, without the ball, he didn't do much. Oh, no. He doesn't do anything when the ball's not in his hand. (laughs) I don't know.
2: I just think at 309K, I know he's going to burn me. I know he's going to burn me. It's just a matter of when, and I'm ex- so excited to find out when.
0: <laughs> Look, as long as you're having fun, sweetie, then that's all that matters.
2: All right. Well, James Warple, he and my bloody team.
0: I, I I respect the commitment. I respect all of the stonks you've been building for years, and I will be here for you when when it all comes crashing down.
2: Oh, it it's gonna be crashing. Down. Um, I'm scrolling through this list of mid prices trying to find some more that are sort of relevant of conversation. I reckon there might be a GWS player we need to discuss.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Finn Callahan was quite good on the weekend. Um, 244k, so a bit cheaper than all of these other options we've been talking about is now up to 14.1% of teams after being in about four percent before the practice game. Um, he was in my team a little while ago and I kind of moved stuff around to, to bring him back in. Um, so I've now got Hopper and well now Setterfield and, um, and Callahan. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just think he'll be, he'll be reasonably consistent. He's not going to average 110, obviously. Um, coming off the wing a fair bit, I think he will see a bit of the ball. They really rate him. They really like him. He's just signed a massive extension, which I don't know, makes me feel better about it picking him as confirmation bias, and I'm going to ride that confirmation bias all the way to the bank. Um, but, yeah, he'll you get rid of it, the bias. He's not a keeper. He's, he's going to fade, but I think he'll be quite good.
2: Damo, can you pick Finn Callahan and Sam Flanders?
1: No, it's one or the other. And I was talking to uh, Tim Mitchell about this, and I said the Giants probably had a f- – Fairly full strength team, whereas Gold Coast were missing Turk Miller, and so who comes out of that 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 centre bounce mix and takes Sam Flanders' role, or where does Sam Flanders go once that player moves into Sam Flanders' role? So I think Finn Callahan is safer than Sam Flanders.
2: Sam Flanders is going to play in a forward pocket. I'm I'm telling you now. I am telling you now, I want every single person out there listening who is going to compete with me to pick Sam Flanders because he is going to be terrible. I've said it once, I've said it twice, I've said it a thousand times. Draft Doctors, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you because Sam Flanders is garbage and this was a garbage performance. Even though he had 30 disposals, it was very good.
0: Garbage, you reckon? Well, He's yeah. Garbage. Wow, he's I, no Finn I, Callahan. He wishes he was Finn Callahan. He's not fit to sniff Finn Callahan's farts. Um, I'm with you. I don't think he'll be he'll be anywhere near it. Um I think he'll play more of a, a half forward. I think he'll be up the yeah. ground a little bit with bursts, but I actually yeah. have
2: nothing against him. I actually think he could be a good midfielder. I just don't think he's going to be a midfielder.
0: Uh, yeah, he won't get the role. Um it looks like they're they're quite liking Alex Davies in there as well, and it's just they've got too many mouths to feed. I d I don't see it. Um,
2: All right, gentlemen, if you've got any other players to discuss, now's the time. I want to throw one last question at you before we wrap up, if you have no one
0: else to discuss. um, I quite like Jaden Hunt. I'm not going to pick him. I don't think anyone should pick him. I just think he's neat. Um, And, you know, full credit to the 1.6% of teams that do have him. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I think he's got a role there. It'll be kind of nice. He'll make a bunch of cash. Won't be better than most other options. And uh, Nick Martin is also kind of interesting, although won't, again, won't score us enough points to make him worth it over all the people we've spoken about already.
2: All right. In your current team, gentlemen, this is a three part question for each of you. Who is someone that locked themselves into your team further that was already in there? Who is someone that you've added that you didn't have in your team? And who is someone that everyone is jumping on and you are fading? I'll go first to give you a moment to think about it. Uh, Bailey Dale was in my side as my D1. He remains in my side as my D1. I liked his game. Dylan Moore comes back into my team after his massive 70 points off like 40% game time or whatever it actually was. Uh, he looked really good and maybe him coming out of the game boosted Warple a bit, I don't know but Moore looked good, came into my side and the player that haven't, I have not jumped on and everyone else is jumping on is Errol Golden, and I've got nothing against him and I think he's an awesome pick I just don't think I can pick him over a Dunkley, a Moore, a Rosie, a Taranto I just don't think he is going to be as consistent as the four I've mentioned there.
0: No, I think that's very fair. Can we briefly chat about Errol Gordon as somebody that kind of slides towards the top end of that mid-price scale? Obviously, he scored what was apparently the the biggest score ever in a preseason game. Um, no, it wasn't like, the biggest ever, but it was close. It was close. So my, my apologies, but he. Oh, I, my, I mean, he might have got scaled up. I don't know. One hundred and eighty-eight is a big number, and there is there's, there's certainly no no suggestion he'd do that every week. But the the ceiling is there, and I wasn't able to watch the game. But but when people say it was petrarca like that's kind of that perks the years up. Um, do we do we think he would be somebody that that he certainly could be a top ten forward? Will oh, he yeah. be a top ten forward this
1: year?
2: Uh, the question is for more for me, is he going to be better than Dunkley, Moore, Rosie Taranto, etc.? Because guys like, you know, we, we might see Bond and Pally get forward status again. We might see Max Gorn, who kicked three goals on the weekend, get forward status. So I think he could be a top 10 right now on the, based on the forwards that we have. Yeah, for sure. Top 10 forward. Will he end there? Not 100% sure. Will he run out this full season? I think he's a really good player and he's one that's tempted me, but I just, I don't know. And maybe I'm biased because Paddy Dow was tagging him in quotation marks and he got 45 disposals. But uh, yeah, I just, I like, I'm, and I'm not saying he's a bad selection. I'm just saying I can't justify him over the, those four big forwards at this stage.
0: Damo, what are your thoughts?
1: I like him, but... For all the reasons that Lechdog ha hasn't got him, is probably why I haven't got him. I just don't see him outperforming those top four or five forwards that most people have in their teams.
2: And you could go five, six deep and have him on field and be really happy. But I just think more options may present themselves as the season progresses. So, uh, uh Patch, we'll go to you first. Someone you that locked further locked into your team, someone you added to your team, and someone that
0: you're fading. Well, the player I added was actually Errol Golden. I, I briefly mentioned it before. Um, I just I, I, don't know, I like the upside. Um, he's a bit cheaper than the other ones, um, which I think kind of helps. If you, especially if you're trying to to wrangle a rookie up a little bit, um, He gives
2: you fifty k on a on a more.
0: Yeah, which is potentially quite big, and potentially you know is the difference between you know a a, a Will Phillips or a, a Chincotta, um, which. You know, it's a bad example, but, you know, it, it gives you a bit more flexibility in some of those rookie prices. I think the upside's really there. Will he stay there? I, I, I don't know um, because there's there's every risk that he gets pushed out of the midfield when Mills is back. There's every risk that, you know, that he's the player they look to tag because it's kind of that sort of a little bit more outside, um, which makes him easier to tag than a, a Callum Mills or a, a James Rowbottom or whatever. So, I don't know. I, he, he's in at the moment. He could get, be back out very easily the player that has been completely locked in since day dot and will never be moving is tom green scored 130 on the weekend that is his midfield now he is the number one extractor the number one guy in there and i i there's not a world in which i'm not picking tom green um i think this is the year he goes 115 the whole way through
2: i don't have him i haven't had him there's a real chance that I could go a steal or even potentially, and this God, fantasy gods, I'm sorry, a Clayton Oliver down to a Tom Green before the season starts. There's a very real chance of that happening.
0: Damon, do you have Green?
1: I have Green. He's been locked into my team since the very beginning.
2: This is going to be the zag that I just get stuck on and just is just awful, isn't it? It's just. I just don't know why I don't want him, I, but I just can't. I just haven't done it. I just he's haven't been, done
0: it. You're just being stubborn.
2: I
1: think it's the I, GWS thing.
2: Yeah, I've been burnt by a lot of GWS players.
1: Now oh. Maybe I'll add him in.
2: I mean, haven't we all, really? Who are you fading, Patch?
0: Uh, at this stage, I'm, I'm fading Ridley based on structure. Um, a lot of people jumped on on the weekend after he's 128. Looks like he'll be good, but again, I'm just worried that one injury to it, a Zerk Thatcher, a Laverde, a, a one of those key pillars down back means so that he has to play lockdown. And we've seen that when he plays lockdown, he plays, he, he's all right for Essendon. He's not good for SuperCoach scoring. Um, I'm a little bit worried there. I can't fit him in as well. Um, he's currently one of the guys I'm fading um, without having a chance to have a look at too many others that, um, that are jumping out.
2: Damo, how about you? Play, you locked to play, you added in a play, you have faded.
1: The player that I locked in is Tim Taranto. I think um, his 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 performance just showed how deeply entrenched he will be in that Richmond system. Um, the player that I added uh, was Jared Witz. He was already in a version of my plans. I just needed to see how he went in a preseason game, and I saw enough to you know not be silly with my ruck line and just pair him with Marshall. The player that I am fading, and there's lots of people jumping on him, not as many as not not as many as you think, but there is a popular group there is a popular um movement towards him uh is Nazir Wanganin Malera. I I just I don't see him maintaining what he did in the preseason match for the entire season.
2: I think uh, inconsistency might be a feature in in his game this year in terms of scoring, um, which is, I mean, that's the risk with all these mid-prices, isn't it? But again, we spoke about it before. I'm backing in the guys who have done it before rather than the guys who we hope are going to do it. Yeah,
0: and I think with Wanganee Malera, I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact that Hill was missing. Brad Hill wasn't playing. He was loping off halfback, which, you know, he, he, he won't be doing as much if Bradley Hill's in the side. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure why people would be jumping on a 200 and what, 300K midfielder like Malera, who's very outside, very, yeah, I I don't see it.
2: Very good, gentlemen. Well, I reckon that can probably wrap us up uh, for today. Thank you for joining me. Uh, This episode, you guys don't know this, this episode was brought to us by Supercoach. Uh, So you'll hear a short short message after this. Uh, Make sure you sign up. If you haven't, make sure you... Uh, add me as an expert if you want some free wins and join the Jock Reynolds Supercoach group, which I probably should have looked at the code before I started speaking. And
1: 990360. The-
2: 990360. Thank you, Damo. Compete in there. The, the top scorer will take home a custom Jock Reynolds ring, Curtis here, uh, Rings underscore, on Twitter or supercoachchampion.com. Um there's going to be a hell of a lot of content on the platform over the next two weeks. So lock in, strap in, send your questions in for the mailbag, hashtag, uh, what is it, hashtag jock Mailbag.
1: Hashtag jock Mailbag. This week's episode is actually going to be out on March 12th, and then we will revert to our Wednesday time slot head, heading into round two.
2: Bloody beautiful. All right, gentlemen, I bloody love you. Uh, let's get through this next 10 days.
0: Godspeed. Take your love of footy to the next level with KFC
1: Supercoach AFL. Australia's best fantasy footy game.